Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast, and thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this episode, Dr. Ben Kligler from the Veterans Administration will be returning to the podcast to begin a new mini-series which discusses eight complementary and integrated health practices that are a part of the health package that is available to all veterans. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with Dr. Ben Kligler from the Veterans Administration. Dr. Kligler, good morning. And one of the things we're going to do now this morning as we venture into the new season, autumn, fall, is to start a new series here with you on Highway to Health. And we're going to talk over eight different complementary and integrative health practices that are part of the Veterans Health Benefits Package for all veterans. So I think we ought to start with some splaining here. Ricky would say to Lucy, you've got some splaining to do. Eight, I understand, complementary and integrative, don't quite understand what that means. Sure. So basically, there's a certain number, pretty wide range of medical treatments that have been accepted as kind of mainstream medicine for quite a while now. We learn about in medical school and they're widely used in hospitals and everywhere else. Things like using antibiotics or using medications for things like high blood pressure or diabetes or doing surgery, all those things kind of that we would consider mainstream medicine. And then there's a set of practices and kind of therapies that basically come from all over the world that have also over the years been shown to be really, really effective for certain things. So those have gotten the name complementary or integrative therapies, as in complementary, like in addition to, not like a compliment, like you're saying something nice to someone, but like we're going to complement mainstream medicine by adding in these other approaches. And the reason we call them complementary and integrative is that we don't want them to be out there sort of in the ether, oh, I go to my doctor, but then I go to my acupuncturist. We want them to be integrated together so that somebody who's getting treated for, let's say, back pain, their regular doctor knows what they're doing, their acupuncturist knows what they're doing, and they're all part of the same team. So that's where that term complementary integrative came from. In VA, we've kind of set a new standard for the healthcare industry because we are actually incorporating these eight complementary therapies into the standard medical benefits package at VA. So veterans can get acupuncture covered, they can get Tai Chi, meditation, biofeedback, all these things can be covered as part of routine benefits. So that's where we're kind of walking new territory in a certain way. But that's an overview. I hope that helps. Thank you. That's a great explanation. That's a comprehensive explanation. One of the things, too, that we still have some resistance to that sort of thing where the MD doesn't want to really acknowledge the chiropractor and the chiropractor doesn't get into acupuncture or yoga. So we still have some separations out there. But you guys have, well, again, integrated all of this, which really makes all the sense in the world. Right. Yeah. Believe me, we still have some skepticism inside the VA, too, because we have a lot of especially physicians who trained 25 or 30 or more years ago before we had some of the evidence for some of these approaches that we have now. And they may not have had a chance to quite kind of integrate that into their own way of thinking yet. But yeah, slowly but surely, we're getting to where these things are really much more accepted as part of just everyday medicine, basically. We're going to, as I say, begin this new series here this morning. It'll be a series of nine programs. 
And I'm going to go ahead, because I have the list in front of me, obviously, I'm going to go ahead and just tick off the list, and then we'll start back at number one, given 30,000-foot view, as we say, of these different complementary medical practices. Number one is acupuncture, biofeedback, and that's one we've heard a lot about about 20 years ago when the biofeedback little gizmos used to come out. Clinical hypnosis, I've gone through that myself many years ago. Guided imagery, massage therapy, meditation, Tai Chi and Qigong, and then, of course, yoga. At the bottom of the list, simply because this is an alphabetical order. But you could scramble these in pretty much any direction, I think. Yeah, the order you have in there is just kind of for simplicity of getting it organized, for sure. It's not like one is better than the other, for sure. The reason those eight are on there is because about six years ago, the VA passed a policy that said if there is sufficient evidence, as in, you know, published trials in the medical literature saying that these things are effective, that's the bar that a particular complementary approach has to get over in order to be included in benefits. So there's some things that are out there that may be helpful, but they just haven't been studied well enough for us to say, okay, there's definitely evidence that this thing, whatever it is, that this works. So that's where that list of eight therapies come from is when we did all the research, those are the ones that really stood up to that test of having good enough evidence. So you have the tried, but then you have the tried and true, and that's what you guys put on the list. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's start with good old-fashioned needling, acupuncture. That is something that is thousands of years old. So you would think, well, that's been proven, and it has. So acupuncture is on the list. Say I came to you, and I said, I want to get into something a little bit different. What about acupuncture? What would you tell me as a first-time visitor? So I would tell you, start kind of where you just started, which is acupuncture is what we would call a different kind of medicine or a different approach to medicine that was developed in East Asia and really has evolved over the course of a couple thousand years. I'd say what's different now is that in the last maybe 25 years, there's been a lot of actual formal trials of acupuncture, studies of acupuncture for different conditions. And we've been finding out more and more about what it can be effective for and how well it can work. Basically, you go to someone who's been trained as an acupuncturist, so they go to a specific school. They generally, it's either three or four years of graduate work after college, and they're called a licensed acupuncturist. They will do a variety of techniques on you. They will put in some very, very fine needles into various points on the body to help kind of maybe remove some of the, what they might call blockages or obstructions in how the energy is flowing through your body. They might also do certain kinds of massage. They might give you certain kinds of advice about how to move or how to stretch or about what you're eating. Typically, you'll go to an acupuncturist. Depends on what you're going to them for. Let's say I'm sending you to the acupuncturist for back pain, which would be a pretty common thing to send you for. Generally speaking, I'm going to assume that you're going to need in the range of eight visits. Sometimes people will need less. Sometimes they'll need more. If you go, let's say, three or four times, you don't really find it helpful, then I would encourage you to sort of take a pause, come back, because usually we're going to see some kind of result after three or four treatments. Generally speaking, you'd probably go once a week. Sometimes people would do it a little more frequently or a little less. And then the other thing I would want you to know is that there's also something called medical acupuncturists. And in the VA, we have both licensed acupuncturists and medical acupuncturists. 
And medical acupuncturists are physicians like MDs or DOs who've actually gone through a training program in acupuncture as well. And we've got a couple hundred of them across the VA as well as I think about 130 licensed acupuncturists employed now. We're really moving along. That's kind of the overview. And I would say, speaking for myself, I found acupuncture so helpful for all kinds of things. I mean, even beyond pain conditions, like for example, I've gone, I get really bad allergies in the spring. Sometimes I've gone for acupuncture to help with my allergies, and that can be really, really helpful. I would say pain is probably the most common thing, but it can be useful for other conditions as well. That would be my overview. Can I give you one more piece of info about that, Dave? That's sort of unique to VA. So when you go see a regular acupuncturist, they're generally going to put needles in different places on your body, and depending on what condition you're going to them for. In the VA, we have a specific kind of acupuncture. It's called battlefield acupuncture. Battlefield acupuncture was actually originally developed in the Air Force, and the original idea was that it could provide you immediate pain relief so that it would be something that, let's say, medics would use on the battlefield if somebody was injured while they were getting ready to transport them, for example. The way battlefield acupuncture works is it's five points on each ear. So it only does the ears, and they're points that over time have been found to really provide fast and very effective pain relief. So you put in these 10 points, and generally speaking, right away, people will have a significant decrease in their pain. And then those needles can actually stay in for several days. It's a particular kind of needle that you can leave in for a few days. The reason I bring this up is battlefield acupuncture. You don't have to be a licensed acupuncturist and you don't have to be a medical acupuncturist. You have to go through a training that we have in VA, which is a pretty focused training, and you only learn how to do battlefield acupuncture. So it turns out that we have actually several thousand people across the VA, physicians, physical therapists, some nurses in certain areas who've been trained in battlefield acupuncture, and they can do that. Really, it takes about five minutes to do a treatment. And so that's another way that veterans can access acupuncture really, really easily without necessarily being one of the more highly trained people. Who would have ever thought that those two words, battlefield and acupuncture, would join together, right? You never know what's coming down the pike. You never know. I have to say, I don't know how widely, if at all, it's actually being used on the battlefield. But it turns out, because it was developed that way, it's very fast. Fast to do and then fast pain relief, too. So those are the pluses that we find. And we've had veterans come in for regular medical visit. Maybe their physician has been trained in battlefield acupuncture. I'll say to them, hey, would you like to try this? They never heard of it before. They'll put those needles in at the end of the visit and have them sort of sit in the waiting room for a little while. We've had veterans tell us that that was the first thing other than a medication that they ever found that could give them some immediate relief from their pain. And we've had a lot of people really get excited about going for more kind of in-depth acupuncture treatment because of how effective the battlefield acupuncture was. So it's a really nice kind of way in the door if you're not familiar with acupuncture too. Wow. Acupuncture while you wait. Dr. Kligler, I'm a lot older than you are, so I go back a little bit further, but biofeedback became a thing for a while. Do you have some recollection of when that kind of became a thing? I think it's been around really for probably since the 70s because of this idea that started to bubble up then that the body has its own capability of, let's say, regulating or healing or dealing with things that are going wrong. And then it's kind of been on the fringe for quite a while. So the idea of biofeedback, just for people who don't know, is you might have, let's just say, a blood pressure monitor on. You would learn a certain kind of breathing, a certain kind of relaxation technique, 
that has been shown to help lower blood pressure. And you would practice that technique while being able to follow what's happening with your blood pressure. And the idea is that feedback into your brain, looking at actually a biological phenomenon, helps really cement your ability to lower because you can see like, okay, when I breathe like this, my blood pressure goes down. So that's the basic idea. It's been around kind of on the fringe for a long time being used for different things. It's used for pain. It's used for anxiety, insomnia, all kinds of different things. But more recently, the kind of evidence there is for it has started to get more solid, which is why we're able to bring it into mainstream care. So it can be used for a really pretty wide variety of different conditions, including pain. Clinical hypnosis is on the list. We'll dig into this in a future program. So you go to a clinic and you're hypnotized. That's sort of like the down and dirty explanation. But are there different types of hypnosis and clinical hypnosis is one of the categories? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. yeah, the reason we call it clinical hypnosis is that there's a whole world of hypnosis that's more what people think of when they think of like a stage performer or somebody who calls up volunteers from the audience and makes them quack like a duck. And clearly that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about using hypnosis for specific health or medical problems. So an example might be helping with smoking cessation. It might be helping with anxiety or certain phobias. For some veterans, it can be really helpful with dealing with some issues related to PTSD, not by itself in conjunction with other therapies and other kinds of approaches. But we're talking about really using it in kind of the medical context and clinical hypnosis in the VA. You have to be a mental health practitioner to be certified to bring hypnosis to your patients. We make kind of a pretty clear line that this is a treatment and it's got to be used in the right way and in the right kind of situations and for the right people. But for those people, it can be really helpful, very helpful. Hypnosis is real. It's not, you don't think you're being hypnotized. It's a real state yes. of mind. It's got a whole kind of mystique around it just because of the history sure. of it. But sure. basically what it is, is it's a very, very deep relaxation state. So people are familiar with relaxation states, but it's kind of specific because it's a relaxation state where you are actually more open to what we would call therapeutic suggestions. So let's say suggestion about cutting down or quitting smoking. So it's nothing magic. It really isn't. I've trained in hypnosis and I've done it for 25 years. And it's a very specific technique about how you kind of can get past some of the barriers that we usually have in our conscious mind where we're like, no, that'll never work. No, I can't do that. No, I can't. No way. And you kind of get down into the state where your subconscious mind says, well, I don't know, maybe I can. Who knows? It is definitely a real thing, but it's nothing magic. It's kind of just taking advantage of some of the amazing flexibility that we have in our minds, you could say, which we don't usually get to tap into because we're stuck in our old habits and ways of thinking like that. That's a quick summary. Every day in every way, I am getting better and better. I like that one. Guided imagery, visualization, guided imagery, same thing. And I remember that kind of came to the forefront a few decades ago in the sports world. Visualize making that touchdown, kicking that ball through the goalposts. Oh, it's still huge. And you can talk, I mean, literally hundreds of top athletes do their own kind of imagery, either before the game or in the middle of the game. And it's so clear because a lot of times you see people actually even close their eyes for a minute, let's say before they take a foul shot and take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Some of them, not all of them, are seeing that image of where the ball's going to go. The idea is 
same thing. It's kind of like our minds are so powerful and flexible and they can affect all kinds of things that our bodies do, whether it's sleep, our mood, or even things like athletic performance. And if you imagine it, you actually can get signals down to your body that can actually make that kind of state more likely. And I've used it, not being a professional athlete or anything, of course, I've used it a lot for people with sleep. I find it's one of the best things for helping people with chronic sleep problems, including kids, by the way. And you don't have to even have a practitioner. There's so many good guided imagery audio tapes. I can't say tapes anymore, but podcasts and audio files out there. People can really just go out and grab one. And while I'm on that subject, Google hashtag live whole health, not while you're driving, but when you have a minute. So right there, you'll find, for example, a whole bunch of guided imagery, very brief videos and scripts that you can just tap into, see how you like it. That closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway to Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo, and let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway to Health Podcast through our website, or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo.